begin a new series today entitled Valuable. Valuable. My mom loves antiques. And if perchance she's watching today, mom, we're praying for you. She just had surgery uh, a couple days ago and, and is recovering at home today. And I don't know if any of your grandkids or your, your daughter maybe actually got you online today, but I love you, and I'm continuing to pray for you get better, all right? Because we need you around here some more so you can collect more antiques. <laughs> she, she has a place in her heart for things that are valuable. She has dishes and cups and place settings and and candelabras and hutches and stuff. Lots of stuff in, in her house that she's collected over the years. And I remember the day when, when uh, I, I took my, my phone and said, Mom, look, one of these days you're not going to be around any longer. Nobody's going to know what all this stuff's worth. So walk me around the house and tell me what things are worth, what things are replicas, what things are real, because we have no clue. I mean, we just grew up in this mess, right? And we don't know, because everything was off limits. Anybody have an off limits room? Anybody have an off limits house? Yeah. So she walked around and, and began to explain this is valuable because of w how old it is, where it came from. She took us in, into her bedroom, and th there's this Louis XV bedroom set. <laughs> Who's Louis XV? I don't know. But his bedroom set is in our house. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I want to sleep in a bed where Louis's been. I'm sorry, but uh, anyway, so uh, valuable. I, I heard this week, and some of you probably read the same, the Da Vinci painting that was sold for $450,300,000. Yeah, and I'm asking myself, what in the world are you thinking but the reality is the value of something is what somebody is willing to pay for it. Now that painting could have gone to auction and paid, somebody paid 10 bucks for it. Nobody knew. Didn't know the value. But the reality is when we understand the value of something, we get a different glimpse into a whole nother realm. Can I tell you today that God has placed a very high value on you? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are valuable. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're valuable too. <laughs> you are valuable in God's sight. And we, on the other hand, devalue ourselves because of what we know about us, what we think about us, what we've done, or what's been done to us. 
And I want you to realize this today. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by that bad choice, by the shame, the guilt of what you've done. I'm not defined by what has been done to me. I'm not defined by my addictions. I am not defined by those moments. And so many of us are carrying around this weight, this shame, this guilt, and, and we're carrying it, and, and we're saying to ourselves, I am my mistakes. I am my sin. I am that accident. I am my divorce. I am my addiction. And maybe not verbally. We're not saying that verbally, but by our actions, by our attitudes, by our lifestyle, we're, we're devaluing ourselves and saying, I'm not worth that much. So I'm just going to live like this. I'll never be because... I'll never be able to because of, I'll always be because, because I've been devalued to the point of no return, so it seems. And God steps into our brokenness and he redefines us by placing his value on us. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Listen to me. God thinks you're worth the cost of the life of his son. He paid the highest price for you. In fact, Romans 5 verse 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And we're all that. We're all a mess. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Billy Graham's not righteous. Mother Teresa's not righteous. He came and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In your ugliest state, when you were the biggest mess you could ever be, Jesus Christ died for you. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. He paid the price. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Amen. Come on now. You're valuable. You're a friend of God. Who am I that you are mindful of me? Ah. That you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me. It's amazing. 
of God. Ah, I am a friend of God. Yeah, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Yes, he does. You see, there's something that happens when you get in a relationship with God. It brings you to a whole nother level and it changes your understanding. You are valuable to God. We're not defined by our brokenness. We're defined by God's radical love. As I said earlier, the worth of an object is what someone is willing to pay for it. And you are worth the price of God's only begotten son. God has placed the highest value on you and me. I am valuable. Say that with me. I am valuable. Say it again. Mean it. I am valuable. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're a prince. You're a princess of the king of kings and lord of lords. The almighty one. You're royalty in the kingdom of God. You're a friend of God. So that sounds good. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't just sound good. It is good. And it's true. So many times we, we say to ourselves, so if that's true, then why do I still feel broken if I'm so valuable to God? Why do I still feel like a mess all broken up and in and, and pieces? I'm going to tell you today that it's so that you can show off God to the world. Now, how do I do that? Well, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. How many of you know that his light shines best through the cracks of our imperfections? God loves cracked pots. <laughs> See, you're fragile, you're, you're a clay pot, but God loves to shine through those cracks and those imperfections so people can see beyond us and see the glory of God in us. You see, he's placed this great treasure inside of us so that it can shine through all those broken places. And so many times we think, if I could just close up all those broken places, if, if I just didn't have any brokenness, then God could use me. God wants to use your brokenness. He wants to use the, the cracks in your life to show his glory shining through. So that you don't get the glory, he gets the glory. It's all about what he's doing inside of you. That's what makes us valuable. Amen. Romans chapter 9 verse 25 says, as he says also in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you're not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Message translation says it this way. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I am somebody. 
I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. In the place where they yelled out, you're nobody. They're calling you God's living children. Hallelujah. You are the beloved of God. You are valuable. So how do I internalize that? How do I live that way? Mike Foster says, basically the instructions for living as the beloved are found within the word. Be loved. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. Be loved. Don't fight it. Be loved. Let God love you in your mess. Let him love you in your pain. Let him love you in your worst moments. That's the pathway to freedom. It's not be perfect. It's not about be amazing. Not be sinless. Not be successful. Not be Beyonce. It, <laughs> it's be loved. That's who we are. And when we get a hold of that, when we grab a hold of that identity, man, it changes everything. It changes our lives. It changes how we lead. It changes how we love others, how we love ourselves, how we love God, the beloved. That's who you are. I am be loved. I am valuable. So it's been a while that my car's been pulling to the left. I don't know how long it's been. It's been so long probably that I've gotten used to it. And then Christy took the car with the ladies and, and Isaiah loaned me his car. And it was so smooth to drive. Like, wow. I wasn't fighting at all. I'm driving. And it's like, it's going straight down the road. <laughs> and then Christy came back with the car and I hopped in the driver's seat. And it was like the light bulb came on. There's something wrong with this car. Because I didn't understand the dysfunction I had been living with. For so long. Because I've gotten used to it. And so many times in our lives, we get used to things that we shouldn't be getting used to. And so I took it to Key of Westchester. Jim Sapala wants to see you in a Kia. <laughs> if you didn't know that. And I got the call, and Dennis said, he said, I, you, you've hit something really hard <laughs> on the driver's side of your car. I said, you know what? I don't remember that. Maybe Christy did it because, you know. I had... <laughs> Always passing it off, right? They said, we really can't figure it out because we've already lined the car, and yet in the driving test, it's still pulling left. So he said, I got, I got one guy on top, two guys underneath, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. He said, I, I, I don't know yet. I'll call you back. He calls me back a little bit later, and he said, okay, you hit so hard that you should be able to remember those things, right? Right? 
you hit so hard that you took the belts of the tires and shifted them left to where it doesn't matter how much we align the car, the tire is pulling you at all times. And those tires had 98,000 miles on them. They're the original tires. God is good. Can I just say that? He said, what we've got to do is we've got to give you new tires and we've got to align it again. And I thought for a moment, as the Holy Spirit said to me, some of us have been hit so hard in life that it's shifted everything. And life is just pulling at all times and you're fighting to get it back on track and you just can't seem to get there and you, you go do this and you think that'll fix it and that doesn't fix it and, and there's something that needs to be replaced Amen. in your life. And I don't know what's gone on in your life. I don't know what happened years ago, what what has really hit you hard and, and got you to where it's just, it's been a fight every, every single day of your life trying to keep it on the road, trying to keep it going straight. God says today, let me replace some things and get you back lined up. It's time to realign your thinking. It's time to replace those faulty ideas. It's time to reprogram your hard drive with the truth. Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That, that Greek word is metamorphosize. It, it's the same word we get for metamorphosis. Be transformed, be, be completely changed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And once you get realigned, once you get your, your thinking right, your mind in the right direction, there's not that pull all the time. And there's not that fight trying to get back on. It's time to reprogram your hard drive by renewing your mind with the word of God, the truth of God's word. Let God's thoughts Become your thoughts because he thinks you're valuable. He knows you are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And when you get to a point where you refuse to obey God, you become the devil's pawn. Some of you need to hear that today. But, but Paul says to the Ephesians, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. 
For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. That's, that's where you are. You are valuable. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And yeah, that's where you want to be. You want to be united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. <coughs> Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, masterpiece. Looking good? We are God's masterpiece. You're worth more than $400 million. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The problem is sometimes we believe the world's labels that they placed on us instead of what God says about us. Sheila Walsh in her book, In the Middle of the Mess, she writes this. I remember a moment like that when I was just 10 years old. I was at summer camp and loving every moment of it until one comment from a girl changed everything. It was Friday morning, and on Sunday, the dads were driving up to go canoeing with their daughters. And over breakfast that day, a girl I had met for the first time at camp asked me a simple question. Is your dad coming on Sunday, Sheila? Before I had a chance to answer, another girl at the table from my home church said, her dad's not coming. He was mental. He killed himself. Silence. No one spoke for a few moments, and then the bell rang for our morning activities and everyone left, but I couldn't move. I just sat there frozen in my chair. What she had said was cruel, but true. And no one looked at me the same way after that. And on Sunday, everyone headed off to the lake with their dads and I sat on my bunk, covered in shame, labeled. She says, I wonder what labels you wear. Divorced? Single dad, single mom, overweight, out of a job, failure. The list is endless. I remember taking, talking to a very successful businessman after an event I spoke at in Los Angeles. And he told me that although he was a multimillionaire, respected in his sphere, the voice he heard loudest in his head when he put his head on the pillow at the end of the day was his mother's. I should never have had you, having you ruin my health. And she says, labels are like boxes. They keep us contained. They tell us what's possible and what's not. She says, label yourself with the truth. You are the one Jesus loves. Yes, you. The Apostle John got it first. Three times in his gospel, that's how he identified himself. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table, John 13, 23. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. 
She said they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. John 20. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. John 21, 20. And she says, I don't believe that John thought Jesus loved him more than the others. He just really got it. Deep down, marrow of the bone kind of understanding. This is who I really am. I am the one Jesus loves. So that's my prayer for you today. Let the labels go. Kick your way out of the box. and Be free. So today, and tomorrow, and every day after that, whenever you catch your reflection in the mirror, in a puddle, or in a store window, remember who you really are. I am the one Jesus loves. And when we grasp this, that God loves us, that God values us, we become able. Value-able. When I understand who I am, what God has done for me, what the, the high price that he's paid for me, it, it brings me to an able point. I'm able to do anything. I'm able to be anything that he wants me to be. Not in my strength, not in my ability, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the one that Jesus loves. And I'm value-able. I hope that gets deep in your spirit today. That nobody, no circumstance, no person, no remembrance, no past experience can take that from you. You are value-able. Mark chapter 12, I close with this today. The team would come. Mark 12, verse 13. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you're not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar? Everybody's trying to get out of taxes, right? <laughs> Is that lawful or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius and look to look at. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? As he's holding the coin up, they can clearly see it's Caesar. Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. And I believe he threw the coin down and pointed at each of them and said, give to God what is God's. Because the reality is the inscription and likeness of God is all over you. You are created in his image. You're made in the likeness of God. And that which God has placed his stamp on belongs to him.
So give yourself to God because you are valuable in His sight. Stand with me, please. As we sang that song this morning, the never ending, <laughs> reckless love of God. I'm telling you, He's running after you. He loves you so much. If you could just comprehend the love that He has for you, it would change everything in your life. I'm stamped with His image. His likeness, His inscription is all over me. I am valuable. And I'm going to tell you something. It's time for an alignment in our thinking. It's time to reprogram our hard drive. It's time to get an alignment in our spirit. I'm the one that Jesus loves. I am the beloved. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the power in that name, may the spirit of the living God drive this moment deep in our hearts. Mm. Lord, for some who have been living in the past, living in the, the difficulties of years ago, what they've done, what someone has done to them, Lord, lift them out today by the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Raise them up to new heights, to new levels, to new understanding. Let their minds be renewed by the power of your word. Speak your value over them and make them able in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.